Don't look at me. Don't look at my washroom. Don't look in your washroom. You can see it. You can see my sink. And always zoom see it. in. Enhance. Is that some soft soap there <laughs> for your hands? It might be actually. <laughs> yeah, his hands. Oh, excuse me. I said for your hands. Excuse me. I said for your hands. It's for lubricant for his penis. Mr. Crane. What I thought. You use soft soap on your penis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hello, welcome <laughs> to the Patch Podcast. Why is that the cold open? <laughs> Episode oh. 450. I like that. That's a good number, 450. That's a, that's a solid number, right? That's nine times five times ten. Why did that come out? Like, what What does that mean? I don't know. I, just, I, just, I know like 45 is like nine times five. Just to know all the old times tables between all the like sub 10 numbers you know because that's what school was was just memorization instead of actually learning how to do things it's just memorization just me- memorize so that you can get points on the test yeah learn how to take tests that's what school is it's bizarre that no one's tried anything radical to make it better i mean you say that but there are lots of countries that have alternate education programs to north america well I, i'm specifically talking about here yeah okay all right. Um, Chief. Before we get into the news, and there's not there's not too many big stories this week, but uh, we're going to start off with uh, some uh, f- gaming fun facts brought to you by Game Informer. Uh, this is number six on the list. Uh, there's 25. This one is Master Chief is a radio DJ. Voice actor who has played Master Chief in every Halo game to date is more famously known as Steve Downs, a radio DJ dating back to the late 1970s. Downs was most recently on Chicago's WDRV, The Drive. There you go. That is a fun fact. That's a fun fact. So many people are just like going down the, they're like driving in their car, doing their commute down the highway to work, and then they just hear like, kill Tacular. Yeah. On the radio. <laughs> like, ah, who died? Kilimanjaro. Ah! <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm, I am curious what his uh, DJ voice would be like. Is it more Master Chief or is it more it's typical 70s DJ? Absolutely just his natural speaking voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not going to be like, like, and now we're taking a call from the uh, from the caller. Uh, what, what would you like to say? What comments do you have about the show so far today, caller? And they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm just wondering if, uh, like, um, I don't know, is, is, are we going to have enough time to, like, play all these songs? And he's just like, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's possible. I mean, but like um DJs in the seventies were were pretty crazy. So still are. Are they? Maybe. Well, I, guess, I guess they haven't changed. They they're yeah. They're just, just there. They're just, they're just trapped there in the seventies, yeah. Yeah. Uh all right, let's hop into the news for the week. First up, the Xbox three sixty store will close July twenty twenty four. But you can keep playing your favorite games. It's from Xbox Wire, so from straight from the mouth of Xbox. This November will mark 18 years since the Xbox 360 launched. It was a generation-defining console that invited many to jump into gaming for the first time and connect with friends around the world. Over the years, we've heard stories of players who found a lifelong love of games, starting with the likes of Cameo, Gears of War, Fable 2. I like how they said Fable 2. I guess Fable 1 was on the first Xbox. Original right? Xbox, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and other Xbox 360 classics. We're thrilled so many fans keep playing their favorite Xbox 360 games on Xbox 360 or on newer consoles via backwards backward compatibility. As we head toward 2024, we have a change to share about the Xbox 360 experience. On July 29th, 2024, Xbox will stop supporting the ability to purchase new games, DLC, and other entertainment content from the Xbox 360 store on the on the console and the Xbox 360 marketplace, marketplace.xbox.com. Related to this change, the Microsoft Movies and TV app will no longer function on Xbox 360, which means TV and movie content will no longer be viewable on your Xbox 360 after July 29th, 2024. Uh, between now and July 2024, you can continue purchasing games and DLC from the Xbox 360 store and at the Xbox 360 marketplace. I love how these um, these like corporate press releases have to like spell out every single product they have. They can't just say the 360. It always has to be Xbox 360. And then they have to say not just the Xbox 360 store or just the Xbox store. It is officially the Xbox 360 store and the Xbox 360 marketplace. <laughs> it's just so funny. But yeah, this... Um, I haven't seen too much dust up on this. I know some people usually get angry when some store shuts down on, on some beloved console. But uh, how are you guys feeling about this? Any care? When's the last time you've been booted up a 360? Uh, to play Rock Band. It's still yeah. just sitting over there on the other side of the room. And you need to buy some new songs, right? Can't the Rockstar sh- store, oh. the rock rock <laughs> band store is separate from the Xbox store. Is it really? And that shut down like years ago. Or it might I, still be going for Rock Band 4, but I'm that might be wrong. Because I definitely tried to buy songs for Rock Band and Rock Band 2, and you couldn't. Well, Rock Band 1 and 2, though. Holy cow, those are... Yeah. That's mighty Best old. ones. I like to. I probably have the most hours in any Rock Band game. The most hours are definitely in two. Uh, people people kind of were a little iffy on three, weren't they? Or was it just too much of the same, too similar to two? Yeah, I think it was too many games in too short a period of time. Like the peak of the hype was definitely like for those music at home rhythm games was probably like right right after two came out because mm-hmm. like one rock band came out after a couple of the guitar hero games and then people were like oh shit like but this isn't just a guitar you got the drums you got singing you got there's so much there's so many you could get more songs off the store and then more songs are always coming out and, uh, like so definitely like the peak of the hype for those rhythm games was after rock band 2 came out and then like I don't really remember ever, anyone ever clamoring for a third. Like, I think everyone was still really liking Rock Band 2. Third or and fourth? Then, what? Are you talking third or fourth? Like, no one was clamoring for a third one. Is what a I said. third one, okay. Um, And uh, and then they released three. So, you got, yeah, like you say, like, I'm sure there were lots of people that really enjoyed three. I think three was the one that introduced the, like, more advanced drum kit. So, it had the cymbals and stuff. Yeah. Um, And then there were different mechanics for the... Uh, guitars as well. I think there were like open fret strumming was like maybe another mechanic for the guitars and things hmm. where you weren't like hitting any of the buttons. You just did a, a strum um, by itself and uh, stuff like that. And for me, I was like, oh, I don't need any of that. That's too complicated. I'm going to keep my Rock Band 2 set. And I'm just going to, you know, have that for everything. And you could play three from what I recall with just a Rock Band 2 or one drum set. And there was like there was like two tracks of every song, which is a lot of work. Um, but they uh, they had ones for if you had the symbol attachments or not. 
And then I remember Guitar Hero World Tour came out, I think after Rock Band 2. And they had the like symbols. So I think that was probably why Rock Band then did the same thing for three. And then uh, and then it was like. When was it like 2014, 2015 Rock Band 4 came out? And it's funny because I always like anytime that I talk about it, I'm always like, I manifested that game into existence because I was like, I think the world is ready for a new rock band game. It's been like <laughs> a lot of years. It's been like six years or something. I think the world's ready for these rhythm games to come back. And then like that month, rock band four was announced. Hey, wow. so, and then nobody bought it. So I bought it. I even I bought wanted, the guitar that came with it. Cause I, I, wanted, I, even though I had old, old plastic guitars, I just wanted the new one and, a lot of people had those guitars just like sitting around in their basements and stuff for a long time. And uh like just having them collect dust. Like nobody nobody was using them. But I was looking for a set because I, I always played rock band at a friend's house. I never had it myself. Oh wow. Okay. Um so I, I was always looking for a set uh to have, and I could never find one that was in like good condition. Like people were selling them, but they were always like you know the the pads on the on the drum kits were like coming off or oh, you know they, they had they had uh you know what are they called like um they had the uh you know the, the guitars like weren't responsive anymore and just like stuff like that and uh it just through like coincidence like we were talking with friends one time about like getting together to hang out and they said like oh yeah like we just got on the topic of rock band and I was like, if, if I had rock band, we could like all, you know, play together or whatever. And they were like, Oh, like, I'm pretty sure my parents still have our old like rock band kit. And she's like, my parents are actually coming like this weekend. So I can ask them if they can bring it here. And then, you know, when we get together, I can bring it to your place. So I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And so she did. And they did have all the stuff. So they brought it to her and then she brought it to us. And she was like this stuff. I think my parents bought it for us. We like hardly touched it. So it's just been sitting in our parents' basement for like 10 years, completely untouched in like immaculate condition. Jesus. And I was like, that's amazing. I was like, if you don't want it, like I will literally buy this off of you. And she's like, oh no, you can just have it. Like I don't, I'm never going to use it. So I got like, uh, I already had a guitar from when I played Rock Band or Guitar Hero 3. And then she had the, rock band guitar and the drums and the connector for the multi-connector for the microphone and the microphone and all the stuff and she's like yeah yeah you can just take it and it's all in like perfect condition so it was just one of those like pure luck of the draw type things um but yeah it's uh man i love rock band well it's such a time period eh it really was like the gimmick of the of that like sort of couple year span was because it felt like it was like accessible enough as a party game that people would all jump onto it if like if you were having like a party or whatever and someone was playing like rock band over in one one room or you know in one side of the room everyone was like hanging out it's like smash bros you know like everyone would, would just like kind of jump on for a couple of games or a couple of songs or something mm-hmm. and uh no, I just like uh, it helped as well too that like the uh, friend that I hung out with a lot at the time was also really into it. So like anytime I kind of go over to his place, he was usually playing rock band 
And if he was doing drums, then I'd do guitar. And then if I was on drums, he'd do guitar. And so we kind of always had somebody to play with, you know? Yeah. But then I was just like, maybe, I don't even know, like five years ago, I was just like, man, it'd be really cool to like have my own rock band set, but I'm not going to be able to find one anymore. Like I was checking thrift stores and stuff because people would just like drop them off. Right. And so if you were lucky, you'd find one for like maybe 30 bucks, but it's like, it doesn't have the drumsticks and like the pads are missing or that doesn't have the kick pedal. And like, it's all in like bits and pieces. Right. And I was like, this the, is going to be a nightmare to find. And the original kick pedal um, for the drums for rock band two, uh, it was all plastic and it, yeah. it broke on me. Yeah. I imagine it broke, broke on a lot of people. Too. I think so, they, in the third game, they had a metal one, or at least it had a metal reinforcement plate on it or something. You could buy that one from rocks, like from the rock band uh, store or from Xbox store. or something uh, for rock band too. Cause my friend mm-hmm. broke his and then he bought the metal one. Yeah. So I, I had, I had the full set for rock band two. And then I had, I think the full set or no, I think I had the full set for rock band two. I then bought the add-on symbols, and then I also got the Beatles Rock Band set, and I still have that uh, at my parents' place. And then I have the Rock Band Four guitar, <laughs> and then I have Guitar Hero Aerosmith, and that came with like a Aerosmith like Les Paul. Oh man, all of the like <laughs> Lego Rock Band and Beatles Rock Band and Green Day Rock Band and the Beatles stuff is gorgeous. Um, it's it's pretty nice. What I never got was they had they had sold a bass controller, and it had like the 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 part where you like pluck with your fingers. It had it split, and so you could use two fingers and oh yep, and plunk on the plunker. Yep, um, I love the plunker, but I never I never I never bought that one. But I I've always wanted that. It was never for sale anywhere. Like you could only find it online, and I wasn't doing a lot of online shopping back then. So yeah, I remember. Um... Amazon had an exclusive like abandon the box kit for Rock Band Four, where all the instruments were red. And uh, Amazon did, yeah, it was an Amazon exclusive. And I remember Amazon I found Essentials that Rock out. Band kit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was still like on the store and just said like out of stock, and you could always, um, you could still do the like, oh, put me on the email list for in case it goes back in stock kind of thing. And so I was like, you know what? Sure. Hail Mary. If I get like one in stock at some point, I'll put myself on this like notification. <laughs> and it, uh, I was, I was on it for like probably a year, never saw anything. And then eventually, you know, my friend had hers. So it all worked out in the end, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's very like indicative of the time. It was like exactly the right time. Yeah, of sure. my life for me to be like as interested in it as I was because I probably wouldn't have been as interested in it when I was like five years younger than that and then I wouldn't have been as interested like now so it just came out of the right how, time well how do you think it would fare let's say Rock Band and Guitar Hero never existed what if Rock Band came out today brand new do you think it would catch on or no yeah I think it would it would definitely be it probably wouldn't be as big as it was then like i don't think it would be enough to like validate um or to warrant rather like multiple entries mm-hmm. but i think it would be a pretty popular like one off kind of niche game 
I wonder why it resonated with our generation so much because another generation of gamers is is like what we were like what what age we were when Rock Band was big. Now and I'm surprised that there hasn't been any sort of resurgence. Like I guess Rock Band Four is still active, like the store is, but I have a, I have a couple of theories. One is I think our our when we were younger and in, in our generation we still hung out at each other's houses more, and so more there still was a more of a party kind of vibe. You know, so it was kind of fun to all be playing rock band together. Um, there was also a resurgence in, you know, what was called at the time classic rock. Uh, it, there was co- several classic rock radio stations that popped up that were really popular. Um, and I think that kind of drove people interested into more music and stuff. Um, and other than that, I think it's just the novelty of it. It was just a cool new type of way to play a game, you know. The social aspect is probably pretty big too, because I yeah. when you when you guys were talking about the first three rock bands, if I remember correctly, the reason why the third one was kind of sought with some or seen with some disdain was that the first game, the single player, was not that like be a band or whatever, and only the multiplayer was where you actually like you know got a shitty van and then uh, played in little venues and then eventually got enough money to buy a bus and that type of thing. I'm pretty sure that was only the split screen. And then in the rock band two, it became like be the, be a band or whatever was multiplayer and single player. And then I think they went back to more of the, the more like, I guess, linear story, I guess, if you can even call it that of rock in rock band three, which is interesting. Cause maybe that maybe they were seeing like, Oh, people are going over to people's houses less because mm-hmm. online was catching on. Maybe we'll do more of a single player linear thing again. Here's someone on eBay selling the base for rock band. For $134 Canadian. Ooh-wee. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. Because it would, I don't know how much it would have been when it came out. It might have been like $60, $70 when it came out, right? I think it was like 100 because you got the instruments too. Because the game was... It might have been 90 I mean, I mean just like with the, the controller. The game was though. 60 And then with the... You mean like the full kit with the drums and the no, guitar like and just No, just the, the instrument. Oh, just the you, you could buy them separately, right? You could, yeah. I don't know how much they were because I actually I remember being like, what was I like when it came out? Maybe like fifteen or fourteen, and uh, when Rock Band three came out, and I had played it at a friend's, and then I asked for it for Christmas, and then I got it, but I just got the game and like not the guitar controller. So uh, I was like, oh, I need a guitar controller. And I never got one until like many years later, I think, from like a thrift store or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the 360 store shutting down. Yeah. Um, do you, Are you guys the type of people who will go and buy something that maybe you want to just secure before the store closes? No, because at this point, I'm never going to go back and play it, honestly. Lee John think- was, was saying that you can purchase it still on the new consoles, right? Because if you notice the, the the language here is very specific, very specifically saying you can't buy Xbox 360 games on the website and you can't buy Xbox 360 games on the console. But the Xbox or the Microsoft Store, I suppose it is, the Microsoft Store on Xbox Series X and S is not mentioned directly by name and it does list Xbox 360 games. Right, so when you're on your Series X, you can search up a 360 game and purchase it still and then use it. I'd imagine so. That's what Adriano said as well. 
because Adrian's concern was like, oh, there goes the only way to buy Red Dead and get it on an Xbox console. Um, right. But if you can still buy it on an Xbox One or a Series X or S, then you're you're fine. You can you know. Although if you haven't bought it at this point, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, when I, when I go through, like I, I still am like slowly chipping away at my backlog. Um, I haven't completed a game in quite a while now, but well, I mean, I guess I was doing Divinity too. And you need, you need another but... pandemic to to get to your <laughs> backlog. <laughs> but uh, but no, like ever since then, I'll check out the Xbox sales and. If there's an old Xbox 360 game that I'd like to have in the collection and don't want to crack out the disc, usually it'll be very cheap, five bucks, four bucks, something like that. Canadian, ten bucks, fifty and, bucks, and then I'll I'll purchase it uh, so I can re-download it. Like it's in the library. Like for example, I, at some point I'm going to play Spec Ops: The Line. That was on oh, sale for cow. that was on sale for like nine bucks. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go seek out the disc and you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'll just purchase this nine bucks. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious what the uh, threshold is for Microsoft or, or Sony or whoever shuts down like their old stores. Like, was it still were people still making purchases on it in some degree? You know, and how much money would that be? You know, for Microsoft was like a thousand dollars a month. Like, what's the what's the threshold that they say? Nah, it, it exceeds our expenses now to keep this thing running. It's a good question. I mean, part of it might be talent as well. If it's if it's on old infrastructure, they might not have people people there anymore, or may, like not that many people there like manage it. to manage it. And you're not going to train people to manage old stuff if it's yeah. not making all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I want to be I want to know those decisions. They're they're boring decisions, but it's like I'm interested in it for some reason. Because someone has to make that decision, right? Someone at Microsoft had to say, "Yeah, we're shutting this thing down now." Well, gaming, like I know people, you know, want want game preservation and stuff, which I do agree with. But uh, gaming is surprisingly not susceptible, not as susceptible to such like vol- volatility as other industries either. Like even in the food industry, like we've had like Delicio Pizza. I think it's the number one frozen <laughs> pizza brand. And it's like, all right, we're getting rid of it. And it's like, why? Yeah. It's like, well, it's not growing. And oh, it's like, oh. Okay. And so like gaming does, you know, to its credit, stick around for quite a while. Like we're talking about Xbox 360 here. You know, we're not talking about Xbox One, which in its own right is old at this point. Um, Like 360 is very old. 2006, I think it was. So like, holy crap, like almost, tw- you know, we're approaching 20 years here. And this thing isn't closing down until 2024, like we said. Didn't, so didn't, didn't we cover some report that they looked at how many games were still accessible? Like really old games, and it was like a, a quite a large amount were no longer accessible to consumers. I remember a story like that. Where I where remember was... a story like that, but I thought this is totally from memory, so it might be wrong. I but I thought it was because they're including like super 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 old games, and they were yeah. Not... Well, you can't even find the studio anymore, so you, they don't even know who has the files on those games. And and yeah. they were like super simple. It'd be like you know like a Pong equivalent, like all the mm. Pong uh, competitors, <laughs> what, you know, all died, and then Pong yeah. is still accessible because it's been remade, gotten so many times. And so mm-hmm. I would, I, I think that those would get counted in there if memory serves. There's a lot of lost movies too, because even back in the day, they never even thought about it releasing again. That wasn't even like a concept, you know. And a lot of tape was like re-recorded or stuff um, for audio and whatnot. You know, you just wouldn't you just wouldn't think about storing things. It's like the movie's done on to the next project. See ya. You know, so there's a ton of older movies that are just gone forever. 
kind of sucks. Or they just weren't stored properly because, you know, film will degrade over time. There's restoration places now that do a lot of work trying to fix them up and whatnot. But could you imagine being in a situation where you're in like a warehouse and you find just a film and you're and you think, okay, I'm going to hook this up to whatever projector it needs because it's an old movie. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being some long lost film or or like some iconic movie that was a, you know, a specific version of it or the behind that the happens. scenes or something that does happens. happen. Right. Like, do you imagine being in that situation? That'd be crazy. Also to recognize it. So how many times has that happened? And someone <laughs> yeah. goes like, oh, this is this is stupid. And then they just turn it off, not realizing that it's some sort of lost piece of media. Well, there, I think famously, like a lot of Doctor Who episodes are missing. And uh, I think I think in the last like five, ten years, um, someone in Africa had like recorded some episodes or something and they recently found them. And so some of those lost episodes have been restored. Something to that effect. I don't remember the full details on that. Um, But yeah, crazy, crazy things like that happen. (laughs) Even um, uh, uh, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, the, the the basically the entire like time you hear the radio playing. That's an actual recording from 1969 of an LA radio station that they that they that someone just had because they just recorded the radio at that time, and they're actually able to use the actual DJ recording and the song choices, you know, as like a underlying track for that movie. Once you put it out there, you never know what people are doing with it, right? You never mm-hmm. know if someone's got the microphone by the by the speaker or you know, God knows what else. Recording the screen with a with a camcorder or a VCR or something. Yeah, oh hell yeah. Like my family, we used to record episodes on TV through a through a VCR. Same here. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we still have those tapes or not, but I mean, that's it's definitely possible that someone else does. Are you admitting to piracy right now, Ryan? It was. I don't know if it was piracy. It was. It was allowed. But they just. Yeah, back then it's a good question. Like, was that like? I think it was certainly illegal to sell. Oh, if you sure. if you were ma- sure. if you were like making you're not you able know, to reproduce season it, yeah. one of like CSI or something because back then that would have been VCR and then oh yeah I guess just selling versions of like of CSI <laughs> and the quality is really bad and like the tracking is really bad too because they didn't like record it in the best quality and oh <laughs> all right let's move on to our next story here cross play games might soon become even more common this is from GameSpot uh, Epic Games which was one of the first companies behind the effort to push for cross play. Uh, across consoles is now going further and launching its crossplay overlay for Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. Although this doesn't mean a bunch of additional games will suddenly support crossplay, Epic is providing developers with the tools to more easily make it happen. Uh, that could mean crossplay becomes even more common in the future. Epic's crossplay overlay for PC launched about a year ago in June 2022. This allowed developers and players alike to connect their games and communities across Epic and Steam. Uh, quote, crossplay enables bigger games, bigger audiences, and growth for the global games industry. With the added support for the major console platforms, Epic Online Services now enables you to connect more players with a single overlay, end quote. Uh, that was from Epic um, when they were talking about this overlay. Uh, officially called the Epic Online Service Crossplay Overlay. <laughs> the service is now supported across Epic Games Store, Steam, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and PlayStation. Epic said there are 750 plus million Epic Games accounts uh, that can now connect and play together. Uh, I, I'm still having issues with um, some crossplay. I still feel like it creates some sort of um, hurdle. I think in the way of playing, 
just because there's things like um, we were trying to play Diablo with Marty. It is crossplay, but there was, still wasn't the voice crossplay because Discord does not have support for PS4 in particular. It does for does, PS5, but not PS4. Does the game have game chat though? Probably, doesn't it? I never thought about that. I know that like people rarely use that in this day and age, or at least we don't. Mm-hmm. But if it has game chat, that would solve that. But I'm just wondering if this overlay, I'm not even sure how this works, you know, would make it easier for people to even communicate cross-platform. Because that seems like a, a kind of a bigger issue to me. I don't think it would. Um, this overlay sounds like what it, it sounds like. It's going to be the, uh, if you think about in Fortnite, the friends list thing that pops out. To me, mm-hmm. this sounds more, and I haven't seen this. I've only heard it here, but it sounds like it's more like a tool for developers so that you could have a button combination pressed in your game and then your epic friends would open and it's just an easy way to join or send invites. I, I could be wrong, though, to be fair. No, I think no, I think you're right, because like, like in Fortnite, when you do open that social menu, it does have like Epic's friends friend list and it has like your Sony friends list if you're on a PlayStation. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe that is their solution for all platforms. Because this yeah. would be this would be like equivalent to Ubisoft and their services like you, you play or I mean, it's changed names so many times now. You Ubisoft Plus or Ubisoft <laughs> Connect or whatever the fuck it is. But um like so Ubisoft services used to have like, I don't know if it was an overlay, but it was certainly a menu of some sort that you could go in and see your Uplay points and all that type of thing. Like, I think it's similar oh, it to that. It was real except slow. Real <laughs> slow. And so, I mean, that, that's what I mean by like having a voice chat would be like quite a bit of computing power. I feel like mm-hmm. it's not going to do that. But I'm just saying like, I don't, how often do you play with friends when you're not actually chatting? Now, maybe this is just my personal experience. Maybe other people do this, but I just wonder. I'm just curious how the chatting would work. You could, I guess, use in-game chat. That is a solution. Yeah, I think I think this is like just solely to to iron out the invites to get everyone because, connected. Yeah, because like for example, on um, Outriders, uh, I played cross-platform with a friend after after you guys had done, and I like started a new character. This is months after we played, and uh, it had uh, a code system. So one of us would, whoever was hosting would just say, oh, my, my game code is, you know, one, one, blah, 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 blah. And then I would just type that in and join and then that's it, which is honestly an easy enough solution, but does require that communication there. Yeah. I do like this slow march towards like, you know, play anywhere kind of thing. Microsoft's really been pushing that where it's like you buy your game somewhere and you should be able to, you know, have full access to all the features and play with anyone else you want. It shouldn't matter what platform you're on as long as you're all playing the same thing, right? I think that's a, a positive thing for it because um, it is it is still kind of crazy that you buy something somewhere and it can't be played on other things. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you bought a DVD player and it could only be played on a Toshiba DVD or sorry, you bought a DVD and it can only be played on a Toshiba DVD player. You know, that, that's, yeah. that sounds ridiculous. And yet that's the way games work currently. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see the day, though, where you buy a PlayStation game and it just works on a on a PC that that. Uh, or an Xbox. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to work on competitors like that, but um, there's actually like one kind of thing. So with um, with PlayStation being in first, you know, people will say, oh, like Xbox play anywhere is just because Microsoft's trying to catch up and, you know, yada, yada. But there's actually an example of them not doing that with catch up. And that is um, Minecraft. 
Minecraft is a, is a prime example because they took they purchased Minecraft and purchased Mojang, whatever. And then Minecraft was a Java game. And then they made that other version of it. It was kind of more closed and locked down. And they've, you know, since sort of replaced Minecraft Pocket Edition, which was which was the modern or which was the mobile, excuse me, one. Um, and then they also replaced the Xbox edition of it as well. And then everything just became Minecraft. But then mm-hmm. there's Minecraft and then there's still Minecraft Java. And so they they've kept it open to say, hey, well, we're still going to put time into this Java version where people go absolutely crazy with mods. They have massive worlds. They make custom modes. They do this and that. But if you want to play with everybody and whatever, you can use this version and they sell easy to manage and easy to make servers for a price. So okay. it's like, hey, do you want the Microsoft route? And then you can pay a little, pay us a little money for the convenience or go ahead. If you want the custom route and you want to use your computer and you want to use as much RAM and a whole bunch of other crap that you want <laughs> to make these crazy worlds, go for it. And like that's kind of like one of those things on Microsoft, like it's it's a it's a showing of them, you know, in my opinion, doing that, not just because they're in second place, because Minecraft is huge. Like it's, it's absolutely massive and they want it to go everywhere. Them upgrading, um, I'll be at late, but them upgrading the PS4 version, um, to allow you to play, uh, with realms, which is their easy to use servers is another, you know, an attestment to that. I would think. Um, Although that- my, my, I agree with you in large part, but, um, I would, I would, I would say that. Minecraft was already on other platforms and it already had that Java version. And so it's not like it'd be more kind of cruel for them to come in and take it away. But we have seen already with Starfield them be like, no, this is ours. Now, Starfield Starfield didn't exist already. It was a new IP. So it it makes a little more sense for them to do that. But this is kind of that whole argument with them and, and Call of Duty are they going to make it exclusive? And it's like their first action buying Bethesda was to make their big, their next big game exclusive. So it's, it's definitely a business, I think, decision still for them. True, but with the Java version specifically to me, it shows good intent because the Minecraft, like the, let's just call it Microsoft's Minecraft, like the Microsoft version of Minecraft is mm-hmm. very much like, I would say pretty well fully featured. I know some people would say, no, it isn't Java's the most, but like for for whatever I see, whatever I whatever I play and whatever little Minecraft that I play, like it's fully featured. There's like lots of updates, lots of new features. And they could have so, so easily purchased Mojang, slowly built this Microsoft Minecraft version, put it out and been like, OK, this is Minecraft now. And then mm-hmm. update, quote unquote, updated Java or just just continue Java. And then people got to move over to the other one. Like the Java version, as far as I know, and maybe I'm you know misreading the situation, but is is really for the people that want to do a lot of crazy stuff with Minecraft, or they really like the old legacy stuff, um, or they they using mod packs and like Microsoft's not making you know effectively a dime off of them. Mm-hmm. But on the Microsoft Minecraft, they're selling skins, they're selling worlds, they're there's a, like a Minecraft store, and so they would have every reason to move everyone off of Java. Mm-hmm. You, Starfield is a good point, though. But if that if the talks between mm-hmm. Sony with Bethesda to make Starfield exclusive were true, then it is a bit of like a tit for tat. I don't. I'm not. I'm not blaming Microsoft. I would have made that decision too to make Starfield exclusive if I was them. But yeah. I'm just saying it, it's like I still think that they are the nice guy Xbox thing is a competitive choice. That because they're in second place, they need to be more consumer friendly to try to get consumers onto their platform over Sony's, right? Yes, 
I, I think it can work into the benefit of consumers, but I think it's still a a choice being made trying to drive their business. Right? Do you do you think that if they were on top, would they get would, would they get rid of say COD and Minecraft support on PlayStation? It's so tough because like, what did they say? Um, PlayStation alone makes like a billion dollars off of Call of Duty a year. It's like, would Microsoft really want to give up that once they own it? Because that 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 billion dollars is 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 what's given to Sony after Activision has already made their money off of it, right? So now that Microsoft owns Activision or will own Activision, are they really going to give up whatever profits they get from that? You know. You know what I'm saying? Does that, yeah. that make sense? No, it's a good point. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like almost when it's we so talk. so big that it's like they'd kind of be dumb to make it exclusive. But when we talk like that, I'm trying to think like how many people are really going to, how many people are really going to jump ship from PlayStation just for Starfield? Maybe it's a lot. Like I know we did have reports of, like I don't know if we ever covered it on the show, but we did like have reports of people, well, like a lot of people tweeting, hey, I'm going to buy an Xbox now. Xbox is worth having and yeah, you know, yada, yada. I think that's it. I think, yeah, you're going to get a lot of PlayStation people who only have one console by maybe buy an Xbox for Starfield, potentially. Right. Um, but Call of Duty, I think you would definitely, maybe people would actually switch entirely. Because there are really just like COD players. Buy a whole console just for Starfield? I don't think like, a lot of people, but I think people would. I think people already have like computers. It's a lot cheaper to just get Game Pass. It depends on the type of gamer, right? The, the streaming there's... aspect is interesting too, right? Of Game Pass. By just being like, like a console player is not necessarily going to have some rigged out PC. Sure, but I think Starfield's probably going to at least run on older systems on lower settings. And I don't but know. I, like... I mean, I mean, think of the average like just gamer, not not the one who's like mm-hmm. reading IGN and in GameSpot and whatever, just yep. some average consumer who yep. has a console in at their TV. Their PC probably is just some HP household Laptop. PC or something. Yeah. Yeah, but they're so also think... not going to go out and drop hundreds of dollars on a new console for one game. That's my point. The average gamer is not going to do that. Hardcore gamers who want to have um, uh, like play a lot of different games and have the, like different platforms to play them on, sure, will do that. But those people are also probably like the Venn diagram of those people and also the ones who have a computer powerful enough to run Starfield, at least on like, you know, medium or low settings Mm -hmm. is probably a pretty like overlapping circles. It's possible. Yeah. We don't know those official numbers. Of course, there's going to be, you know, exceptions, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like unless people are just like absolutely vehemently against pc gaming and they're like no i will only ever play console games <laughs> then like some, some people are like that <laughs> and then and those people want to go and drop like four or five hundred dollars on the console okay maybe but that just for one game i don't know that seems like a huge commitment could buy the the the, the series s especially for an untested ip like an unproven ip that's a fair point like if it's still bethesda then like we've seen enough of the gameplay to be like yeah this is a this is a bethesda game mm-hmm um but you know i don't know i it's a bit of a tangent but i just i don't know i'd be i'd be interested to see the numbers and the people who were like gonna go buy a console just for starfield that could have just streamed it is is streaming that popular though i don't think it is 
this is this is maybe how it becomes more popular though like i i think we're going to i think we're going to actually going to have a lot of reports that come out talking about the amount of subscriptions maybe even streaming numbers those type of things with starfield because it's such a bombshell of a thing that was probably cross platform got taken away it's a huge game first you know first big i first new ip from bethesda in, in a number of years and so um it i think we're going to get a lot of like interesting information about this i do agree with tim though on the like one game probably isn't well one one game probably isn't going to sell a console i guess the one that did would be like halo back in the day but halo was like super revolutionary for its time and we've kind of gone Combatable. i don't want to say we're beyond seeing revolutionary things but like we kind of see a lot of iter- iterative things now and not these like like back then like i watched the the xbox documentary i think it's called power on or something and uh, there was there were talks about if a shooter could work on console on a controller, like you know it was such a new concept that it it would really bring people in. Almost like how we talked about Rock Band for a while. Almost <laughs> like how the rhythm games you know took off because it was something new and exciting. Um, but this is similar to the conversation, Ryan. I don't know if you remember this, but when one of the Tomb Raiders went to Xbox. And then you refused to purchase it because it was Xbox timed exclusive. And you were like, well, that's, you know, let's BS. Like I want to play on a PlayStation. And I remember we went to dinner or something, or maybe we were doing the podcast even. And Adriano mentioned, cause I was playing dead rising three at the time and I was really loving it. And he, and he's like, Matt, if dead rising three was on PlayStation, like, would you be pissed or would you just buy, like play it on PlayStation? And I was like, I would just play it on PlayStation. But I mean, we, we didn't ask this question at the time, but I don't know if I would have purchased a whole PlayStation for it. It would have been like on the list and then right. that list has to grow to a point. And, and then like the price would have to come down a bit and then I would, then I might do it. To clarify my, my issue with the, the, the timed exclusiveness of, of rise of the tomb Raider was a, the, the, the trilogy started on all platforms, right? Then Microsoft came in and bought exclusivity, not for a month, not for three months. It was for like a year. I think it was a year. Yeah. And so it just felt a little like, oh, we're Microsoft. We got a big war chest. We're going to spend our money and just buy our way to the top. Hey, you guys like that Tomb Raider game? You have to come to our platform to get it. You know, it just felt a little insulting to me for them to do that. And it was it was only because it was in the middle of a of a new rebooted Tomb Raider franchise. It wasn't the first game that they got exclusive rights to. Oh, that's right. right. It was the second one. And so it's just like God. Like I started my trilogy. I sort started this new franchise on the, on the PlayStation, and now you're saying you want you want me to go buy a, a three hundred dollars Xbox for the second one? That was a little annoying. Actually, to be fair though, so I just that realized was my small protest against it. But that first game was on PS3. Yeah. So like realistically, you could argue that they were trying to get you to pr- get you to go come, come over from a PS3. How far were we into the, the PS4 console? generation though? I don't know. It's a good question. Because like if you were a PS3 fan like I was, your next console was going to be a PS4. Right. Um, I'm not sure how many p- other people were in that boat. Um, do do any of you guys? I know we're on tangent now, but like, do any of you guys have a game or a franchise, whatever, that would sell a console? And you can buy like you know the Series S, let's say, like the cheaper version of the console, or even like would sell you on like a new GPU, let's say. Like, is there anything that would oh, sell you on I like mean, new hardware that's more than say like hundred dollars? That's very easy for me. I mean, but but uh, uh, does exclusivity matter? Like because like any Naughty Dog game, I would buy a console for any Naughty Dog game that came out. 
Yeah, well, like, like I'm saying, yeah, like so, like like whatever game, if you have a series in mind or or a game in mind, whatever it is, like, is there a property that if it were to come out for some reason exclusive to PC or exclusive to console, Xbox or PlayStation, would you purchase better hardware on your PC or a new console for it, like a solo, like a solo property? Would you? Is there anything that would sell you? Yeah. What's that? I bought the Switch for Zelda. Ah, there you go. See, okay. But at the same time, I knew that like I wasn't going to really be using my Wii U anymore. Right. I wanted the Switch because it was like the the I I couldn't I genuinely couldn't believe what they were selling. I was like there's no way they've got like a home console that you can like bring with you and just toss in your pocket <laughs> or your bag or whatever and then you can keep playing those what same magic console games on the go <laughs> like I, I I, genuinely I was like Nintendo is trying something here and if it is actually as good as they're selling this is incredible but it's probably not that good and so I bought it because I was also kind of curious and I was I was blown away I was like this is such an awesome piece of hardware and it was exactly what I kind of wanted at the time because I was like I want to play Breath of the Wild and I want to be able to play it on my TV at home but also I'm going to school so I'd love to be able to throw it in my bag and bring it with me because I'm going to be no lifing this game, and then between classes, I can keep <laughs> playing Breath of the Wild, and, and that's how it how it happens. So I got a lot of very good memories of uh, of just that time period and being like, I remember I was sitting in my living room one time. I was just looking at it, sitting on my entertainment unit, and I was like, I can't believe this thing's actually real. Like it seemed like such a foreign concept when they had that first release video of like showing off the features of it and things, and. Uh, I was like, to go from the Wii U to this is such a leap. It's, it's so crazy. Probably one of the worst moves Nintendo's made to one of the best moves Nintendo's ever made. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that is crazy when you think about that. You just have yeah. this weird Wii U because the Wii was super popular. Yeah. And then this Wii U, it's just like, no, no one bought this thing. <laughs> they didn't market and then the it Switch is like the best on the console right now. They didn't market the Wii U properly. People didn't know what it was. They never showed the actual console. They only ever showed the gamepad. I so remember we like, does this go with the Wii? Like it's called the Wii U. Like the name was bad. The marketing was bad. It was all bad. I remember oh. this distinctly that E3 and all the press in the actual conference room who saw the presentation and announcement of the Wii U were like, we don't know what this thing is. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> But but I just want to talk about that. Um, you're kind of a Nintendo guy, right? Would you not have bought a, a Switch without Breath of the Wild? Bought a Switch without Breath of the Wild? I probably would have waited for the next big Nintendo release, like Mario Odyssey or whatever it would have been. Because I, um, I, I think what Matt's kind of getting at is like you don't currently own an Xbox, right? Correct. And let's say you didn't have a PC that could play all the Xbox games it does now. Sure, yeah, yeah. Is there a game Xbox could come out with or a franchise that would make you buy an Xbox right now. And even the cheap right version. Now, yeah, like the only th- the first thing that comes to mind is like if Fable is really good, mm. like if it's like Fable or Fable 2, I could possibly be convinced to get like a Series S. Mm. Um But yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm just very glad that Game Pass is a thing and I don't have to have an <laughs> Xbox. I'm just I'm just so glad about that because it's genuinely like it's a really smart move on Microsoft's part. 
because they understand that they have a portion of the market that they cannot capture because that market does not have their hardware. So it's like we have to get our games to them somehow because they want to play our games, but they can't justify the price of a console because mm-hmm. they've already got a Switch or a PS4 or a PS5 or a PC and it's taking up space on their on their entertainment units. What's what's the use case for these people? Mm-hmm. So streaming is a good option. Game Pass is a good option if you've already got a computer that you can just download the stuff to the computer and do it that way. The subscription model. As much as I was always like years ago, I was always like I would never pay a subscription fee for games. I want to buy games and own <laughs> them. I never want to have them taken away from me, you know. But the march of a, time. A mix. Where is this all down? A mix is fair. A mix is good. And I'm still a big fan of physical games. Like I, I have a lot of my old consoles here behind me, and like I really enjoy, you know, having, you know, the cartridges for the SNES or the N64 to pop them in and play them. I mean, man, I was um, my mom just bought um, a copy of Madden, whatever the latest Madden is, because she's a big Buffalo Bills fan, and the quarterback for the Bills, Josh Allen is on the cover of Madden. And so she bought herself a PS5 copy of Madden just as a like a keepsake, I guess. And I was just like, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I kind of miss having discs. <laughs> just having Aww. something to hold. It just felt so good. <laughs> and then yeah. my shelf downstairs had all my PS4 games, all my PS3 games. I was like, oh, I missed that. I really liked physical games. Uh, like even up to like modern day, right? With PS PS4 and stuff mm-hmm. and, and almost to the PS5. I think I have like two physical PS5 games. Um, but then I moved like three times and I was like <laughs> moving all these game discs and, and game cases and stuff like that. Just kind of needlessly taking up boxes when I'm trying to move stuff is such a pain. Mm-hmm. And I did it once and then I didn't do it again. I got rid of all the boxes. I went out to like the, you know, Best Buy or whatever. And I bought a, a like 60, cd um like cd booklet and then put all of my like ps4 ps3 uh, not ps3 ps2 original xbox 360 gamecube all these discs i had into this one booklet that i have and got rid of all of the boxes (laughs) and like five big like a4 letter size uh boxes from staples became less than one came a booklet that I could fit into one <laughs> box with a bunch of other stuff. So you actually toss the- away the cases. Like you got rid like, yeah, of the trash. Yeah. Wow. That well, sounds- I recycled the plastic and I threw out the rest, but that sounds blasphemous. It was kind of, it was kind of hard to do. Yeah. I, won't lie. I was like, man, this is a lot of just, cause someone, someone's going to come by. Cause we, we were living in the apartment at the time. And like that we were, uh, it's very common for people to go like dumpster diving in those in those bins, and I was like, someone's gonna see all these boxes and be like, "Oh my god, they're just throwing away video games!" And then open them all up, and they're all empty, and they're like, "Damn." <laughs> Matt, what about you though? What what's a game that would sell you on a console? Uh, definitely Fallout. I think actually not oh, even. Wow. I think yeah, definitely Fallout. <laughs> all right, definitely um, Fallout. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah, a, a Fallout game for sure. Um, the only reason why I guess there was, there was a maybe in there is if it's going to be like another Fallout seventy six, I would maybe see how it is. Uh, before hey man, we we had fun with that, we played for thousands of hours. 
we absolutely did with the patched version. I'm talking like, you know, oh, oh I'm going to purchase, I'm going to purchase a console day one alongside the game. Imagine purchasing a console 476 on day one. Not only Walk, that, though, walking simulator. We might not have played it that much if there wasn't a pandemic. Yeah, that, that's it's true. highly likely we would not have played it that much. That's true. Yeah, it was kind of like we would go to each other's houses almost in Fallout. <laughs> it was just the social thing we did every night because there was nothing else to do. Yeah, we so, would just hang out so and hang out we, in seventy six. <laughs> hang out in seventy six. Go to each other's camps. And... <laughs> but yeah, for me, any Naughty Dog game and anything from Kojima would be a, a console seller for me. I think Death Stranding could get me to spend two hundred bucks. Oh really? Yeah. Holy cow! Death Stranding's really fucking weird, and I like. I'm, I su- I'm play surprised you one. like it so much. It's super. I don't know. It's I, just. It's tasty. Kojima games are tasty, man. I've said it so many times. I cannot believe out of all people that <laughs> Matt is as passionate about Death Stranding as he is. And I, you played that game way before I did and you fucking loved it. And then yeah. I finally got around to playing it. And I also really enjoy it. It's a really good game. I'm really looking forward to the sequel. But um, yeah, that's just, I had, I never would have thought it was a game that would be up your alley. Matt, you should try, because um, you did play Phantom Pain for a bit, right? Yep. You should maybe put that on your backlog if you wanted to finish it or not. Um, but also the um, MGS3 remake. I don't know if it's going to be as zany and, and weird as the Ko- Kojima version is, but it sounds like they're pretty much keeping faithful to the original game. So can't I wonder how, to, you would, how you would feel playing those because it's it's equally as tasty as, as Death Stranding. Can't wait to engage the end and then just leave my console for a week and then come <laughs> back. <laughs> Well, the thing, the thing is with, with the death training specifically for me was that I really like progressing and I really like having a journey. And so it's like when you reach the, you know, the end of your journey, you're like actually traveling across America and you're, or like, Hey, you got to go up on those mountains. And it's not just like get to this teleporter and then it teleports you three quarters of the way up. And then like, like a lot of games will do. Mm -hmm. This is literally like, well, there's a mountain there. Have at it, and it's like well, Jesus. Like, how the fuck do I get up there? Yeah, and like the the thing about that is like, okay, a mountain in a video game. Like we we've done that for years, but that's the thing about that game is that the game is literally the traversal. Like it's it's almost like a puzzle game where you kind of have to figure out what you're going to be encountering and sort of what tools to bring to make that traversal even possible. Like mm-hmm. let alone easier. And it's really like it's kind of a JRPG. At, at its most like distilled form in that it's a really long time investment and making such incremental little advancements until like you've been playing the game for 75 hours and you look back and you're like, damn, look at all these roads I've built. Look at all the yeah. stuff that I've moved. Look at all these upgrades that I've unlocked. Look at these relationships I've built up with all of these locations. And then they've given me like unique pieces of gear that are so helpful to have. Thank God I spent 10 hours carting stuff back and forth between this old man and the city. Like, but it's like genuinely, it's like, yeah, it's a fucking grind. And it seems like it would be really boring when you talk about it. But the the character interactions are like the biggest part of that game, which I mean, Kojima himself said too, like one of the most important things that he thinks that humanity has is like interpersonal connection. And that's what he made that game all about. And it's weirdly, it's like a sleeper hit for me. It's like such a such a banger, but it looks like so much nothing on the surface. The like spending hours going to a person or going to a place to do something. Like for example, one time I went into the mountains and I had a full 
a full with a hole in it, a full network of uh, zip lines. But there was like a hole in it. And I was like, holy Christ. And I had to like go through some really thick BT territory, climb this really treacherous mountain just to barely on a peak, get this thing in range of all the rest of them. And then once I put it up there, I'm like, OK, let's test it. And I just shoot all the way across a mountain range that would take me like a real time, 40 to 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's like a minute. And it's like, <laughs> holy fuck. Yeah. Like, hell yeah. You know, this is this is awesome. And it doesn't feel like you're not being rewarded for it. Like it feels really. And then, like you said, with the unique gear as well, it's like you're being legitimately rewarded for doing things like even the like at the end of the game, it becomes like a truck simulator. I'm just driving around literally hundreds and hundreds of tons of shit in a truck. I'm not I'm not walking around anymore. Yeah. Those days are over. I wonder if it taps into our like nomadic past as humans, you know, having having some journey that you have to overcome obstacles and and you get that dopamine hit every time you do, right? And like once you're once you're done a long journey and you you've succeeded, you just like, yeah, I conquered something, you know? Yeah, yep. That's not that's uh it's possible because like in the beginning for sure, I definitely struggled with it because the journeys between places because it's more or less training. We're really sort of like, ugh, like, you know, this is kind of boring. <laughs> but then once you do, I think it's like the, I think it's the first boss fight and you take a boat with fragile over to another section of the map. It's like, okay, this is kind of opening up. And it's like, oh, there's a few people I could deal with here. And then it, then the game kind of starts, at least for me, hitting its stride. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm dropping the third news story. Oh, okay. <laughs> what are you guys playing? I mean, Tim, we all, we know, we know what you're playing. I'm trying to think of anything else I've done in the last week. Even just playing briefly. Crime Boss secretly. He's been set, on, set offline. He's been playing Crime Boss, Streets Are Okay, <laughs> or all this. I just deleted that today, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> trying to clear up space for Starfield. Um, Kayla and I have been playing the, the Wolf Among Us again. Trying to do like a, a bad wolf playthrough because everyone wants to be the good guy first time through. It's actually kind of hard to make the bad decisions in narrative games. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I always feel bad making the NPCs mad or sad or whatever. Um, unless I like fully intend to go into it. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm doing an evil playthrough. I'm being a dick. I just want to see it how it hurts. It still hurts, uh, man. It hurts for a little bit. And then you just kind of get numb to it. And oh, then, no. And then then you Is become that an the, allegory for real life. Yeah. Then you become the beast <laughs> that you swore to destroy. Um, so we've been doing that. Does it help you in other games? Like I was evil in Red Dead 2 and now I'm just fucking evil in games. Like if someone that's pisses a, me off, just bang, I don't care. <laughs> and that's a really hard one to be evil in too because like the story of being lawful in that game is such a good literal redemption. Like mm-hmm. it's such a good story of that. So that's a really funny one to to go full like chaotic in. But um Yeah, no, it's 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 been Baldur's Gate, honestly. Like it's that. <laughs> well, also, like not not that we really talk about it very much, um, uh, because this is a video game podcast. But in the spirit of gaming, um, I've started playing another D and D campaign in person with a group for the first time in like a year and a half. So hopefully, this will be the start of another campaign to actually do that, and so sort of to mesh the two. I've I've been watching a lot of like D&D content on YouTube specifically about like character builds and multi-classing and some of the stuff that I've watched has been since Baldur's Gate came out 
And they're talking about multi-classing and how like there are some things you can do in Baldur's Gate with multi-classing because it's D&D 5e rules for the most part. Um, and some ways that it differs. So like they talk about how, oh, if you do this with these two classes, it's like this in the tabletop game. But in Baldur's Gate, like this doesn't apply. So you can actually kind of get away with this tactic and uh, and things like that. So um, Baldur's Gate is definitely a little bit, a little bit more lenient with that sort of thing, but it's also uh, more restrictive because there aren't as many options with it being like a hard-coded video game where they only give you so many options for mechanical purposes and video game purposes. Um, so so that's been cool. I found another tabletop game similar. It's kind of like D&D Lite. It's meant to be kind of you roll up a character in like 10 minutes and you can just play right away kind of thing uh, called Cairn, which is very like uh kind of old schooly dungeon delving type of thing um and it's not very like power gamey which a lot of uh tabletop stuff and like D these days can be where you, it's very hard to die and you know you, you because people want to like make these characters and get attached to them and develop their story and stuff like that um but, you know, there's lots of other people that are just very number crunchy when it comes to tabletop RPGs and just want to do combat and do it well. And if they fuck up, they die. And they're like, well, that was that character. I guess they sucked. Let's make another one. And uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. So. Sorry, did you say Karen was mobile? No, like it's a mobile game. No, it's like uh, it's a a game that was made by inspired by other sort of tabletop games um, that lifts from some indie games and then is like an indie game in its own right uh that is similar to D, but it's very rules light and you don't okay. have a lot of stats you don't have a lot of like crunchy number calculations and modifiers to need to remember combat's really straightforward and fast and uh and uh, and yeah so if you if you're a fan of D D or you'd like to get into it but you find it all very overwhelming i would recommend looking up cairn uh, the PDFs are free on um, RPGDriveThru.com, I believe, or DriveThruRPG, I think is what it is. And uh, yeah, take a look because it's kind of it's kind of different. It's kind of cool. It's a little more. So it's, it's a little bit refreshing, especially if you're sort of like overwhelmed or kind of uh, burnt out on something like D and D, uh, and or if you're like me and you're trying to get more familiar with like DMing and comfort more comfortable with like running games and stuff. But D and D has a lot to remember, or, or Pathfinder even for that. Uh, for that, um, man, you, you know what I wanted yeah. to do. Speaking of like wanting like a simpler D and I almost wanted to go back and play the original. AD and D like first edition. Yeah, it's way more complicated. Is it really? Yeah, it's like there are so many more sort of specific rules, and like the way that the classes work. Like you have to be a cleric until you're like level six or eight or something and then you can like take a path off of that to go paladin and stuff like that and like druid was a different kind of mage after like certain number of levels or something like that um yeah there's a lot there's a lot of different uh but i mean it, kids were kids were playing it in the 70s i mean yeah i mean it's not to say that, that you can't do it it's just it's definitely just less handholdy than modern RPGs are for sure. 
What was the uh, what was like the suggested age group or something that complex? Because you would also not have computers like we use D and D Beyond to do. I mean, I know some people don't do this, but I use it for dice rolls and shit. Like, <laughs> like what what the hell age group were these kids for such a complex game? I think it could have been the same. Honestly, I mean Gary Gygax and. Um... I feel bad. I can never remember the other guy's name. The two <laughs> who started making D and D, Mister D and D, Mister D, and then <laughs> there was the other D, and so then it was called D and D because it was their game. Um, <laughs> the two Mister Ds. Uh, they, I think, were kind of like in their, I don't know, forties, thirties, or forties when they made it. So, like, I feel like they would be, um making they made they were making a game that they wanted to play right and it's not that you couldn't play it as like a teenager or a kid or whatever but it was like it's very number crunchy like some things are more complicated and some things are easier um and there's like a lot of people that will look back at previous editions and try to figure out um how they can sort of modernize older mechanics to sort of home homebrew into current stuff if they're like oh this was kind of cool it'd be cool to bring this back and then they try to figure out a way to, to do it um but a lot of it's pretty dated and like less accessible and stuff like that it was just a brochure right it was just like a pamphlet yeah it wasn't a lot it was like mm-hmm. a couple of pages in a stapled together booklet type of thing yeah amazing we should play the original cyberpunk <laughs> the tabletop. I wonder how freaking complex that's going to get. Oh, though. I thought you meant the game before they patched all the bugs. No, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the original like before they went patches and all that. Yeah, buy a copy of uh, of of it for like Xbox One or PS4, and then disconnect your your console from the internet, and then just pop the disc in and play. Play at uh, one FPS. Let's go, boys! I think my PlayStation Damn. would actually like finally not turn on after that. <laughs> But yeah, I've just been like largely I've been really into the the D&D sphere with Baldur's Gate and then playing D&D as well. Uh, just kind of the overlap between the two and hyper fixating on character builds and stuff like that. I've made like four different characters to try different builds and stuff. But on stream, I'm finally into Act 2 and we've made some decent progress. So um, that's largely that. Same as it ever were last week, this week, probably next week, weeks to come. Matt? Me? What? You! Uh, been playing, uh, been playing Baldur's Gate <laughs> as the rest of the world has. Um, anyway, yeah, we've been playing, playing some Baldur's Gate. We've been playing on stream. I did one session, uh, with the guy that I did Divinity 2 with as well. Just a shorter session, kind of getting our bearings, uh, because he's actually never played Baldur's Gate and we obviously have the early access completed, um, in a past life, uh, since it takes so long. <laughs> but, um, yeah, other than that, uh, completed the Fortnite season, uh, just up to level 100 this time, but finished that, cleaned all this stuff. Um, I mean, I was away for a while and I like, didn't play it that much uh, here and there as well. So I'm glad that we, I'm glad that I actually got it, like got through it, to be honest. Um, I haven't heard anything about the next season, so I don't know if I'm going to go into that, but I mean, well, I guess we'll see. But uh, kind of getting ready for Starfield um, by playing No Man's Sky still. So I've been playing, did a couple or maybe one or two sessions of uh, Starfield or of uh, No Man's Sky, excuse me, 
I've um, been doing a multiplayer and then did a like a little bit of a once the my buddy went to bed, I kind of stayed on and kept messing around with it. And that game's pretty fun. Like it's all about sort of the grind of oh, you know, I need, now I need this. Now I need that resources. Now I need these resources. Now I need this. But then you can slowly get things that will help you like, oh, like, oh, I can build a base and the base can harvest this type of metal for me. Okay, awesome. Well, I'll do that. Oh, well, I need to charge the batteries. I don't want to fill the generators. Let's get a solar panel. Okay, great. Oh, now there's like, you know, the, the nighttime's really long on this planet. Let's get some batteries. So now the solar panel charge the batteries, the batteries power the thing at night. Okay, great. Let's, in, let's install a pipe system. The pipe system brings it to a, a supply depot. Excellent. So now every time I come back to this place, I'll have my materials. Okay, let's build like a landing pad on my base so that whenever I take off, I don't use launch thruster, launch thruster fuel. Cool. Sounds good. You know, do that. So like it's, you know, it's certainly becoming like you, you sort of, you're not necessarily building an empire, but you kind of are in a way like a solo empire because you also have like a fleet and there's a, a capital ship or a flagship that you um, can build a base on. You can have it teleport to whatever system you're in. And you can also have other, I think they're called frigates, but other ships, other larger ships that come along with you. And you can send them out on passive missions. Hey, go go to this exploring, exploratory mission. Uh, go do this fighting mission. Go do this uh, trading mission, you know, yada, yada. The ships will have different specialities. They'll have different upgrades. You can upgrade them. Uh, they can get damaged. So you have to repair them, all that type of thing. And we keep finding new things. We keep finding new weird planets, uh, different uh, materials to use. Uh, we're starting to, you know, oh, we need a bunch of nanites, which is how, how you no. unlock. Uh, that's yeah, Marty's favorite. But how you unlock schematics. It's like, okay, cool. This is how you like, let's go get a bunch of nanites, come back, get a bunch of schematics. Now the schematics can be used for this. And we barely scratched the surface, really, because you can use vehicles on the planet. So you can use submarines. Uh, you can use like, sort of Jeeps. You can use um, a big mech thing. And so there's a lot to do in this game, but it doesn't feel like I, I don't feel like super obligated to play it all the time. It doesn't feel like I'm on like sort of that battle pass grind because there is no battle pass. Um, I'm just sort of, you know, I hop on, I, I mess around. It's like, oh, cool. There's a, a new ship for sale uh, or like I have enough money and a, a new ship rolled in and it's a good rank or whatever. Cool. I'll go do that. Or, oh, I need a, some quick cash. Um, let me build, which I did build like a portal network that allows me to go to um, the outlaw stations. And then that way I can buy a bunch of illegal goods and smuggle them in just by literally teleporting straight to my base. And my base has a a selling portal so I don't get caught by the authorities and just, just like slowly, but surely building up like your character and making things easier on yourself without worrying about a bunch of RPG elements, like leveling up and this and that and the other thing. So it's a, it's a fun experience. Like I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm still enjoying it. I'm surprised after all the hate I gave it when it came out that I'm enjoying it as much as I am. That's true. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I was unfounded. Um, it, it certainly was a mess when it came out, but they've done a really good job, uh, you know, kind of clearing it up. And I have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of passive income now. It's the same reason why I like Stardew Valley as well as I had a whole bunch of, you know, min maxing on my farm so that I was able to not water everything and only harvest certain days and yada, yada. So like I was able to min max that. And that's exactly that's exactly what I'm doing here. Finding planets to get things so I can get gas and get materials and everything pumps together so I can then go to with a ship and go here. And yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. But that's 
Hmm? So funny to me because it's like the exact opposite way of like how Stardew was like meant to be played. <laughs> but yeah. you give anything a system, and there's going to be somebody that got that's got to min max it. So I remember the exact moment I realized too, because I think I think you actually purchased it for me, Tim. And uh, I think it was like I went in and I was like, you know, water, 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 water. And I was like, man, like I'm using all my fatigue, and I kind of want to go fish or something. And I thought, man, like there's got to be a way to like do this. And so I found in the menus uh, a sprinkler and I was like, cool. And the sprinkler is like the first one's pretty inefficient. It's like it does four, like kind of like in like a T shape or like a plus mm-hmm. sign. And I'm like, man, like I got to be I got to fill these other sides like this is ridiculous. And then I went like looking on the wiki for the first time was like, oh, yeah, this is happening. <laughs> there's a more efficient way to min max this. Yeah, there's a more efficient way to lay this out. There's a more efficient way to bid max this. Let's fucking do this. And that's exactly what happened. My turn? You, yeah. Uh, I'm playing it right now. What? <laughs> so I, I, I was handed this once. Um, It was on a Steam Deck. I was in a car, and I only played it once. And then I bought it. And it was uh, Vampire Survivors. Oh, man. So, I didn't really realize what the game was, and uh, it's quite magical. Is it really? It's, it's like the, it's like the most simplest thing you can think of. You just walk around, and you level up certain like abilities, and then you just like kill a bunch of creatures and vampires and whatnot. You but become it's, it's, the bullet hell. Yeah, it just scratches that itch. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be playing it for, but uh, right now I've been enjoying it very much. Um, are you playing? What are you playing it on? Are you playing it on your phone? No, PC. I need all that hardware to run it, you know? It's like the perfect Steam Deck game for me. It, yeah, it's, it's crazy, yeah. Uh, other than that, Baldur's Gate. I got a little frustrated with that, but I'm back on track. Um, After Tim and I told you off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tell no, him off. I, I knew it was just... just great have fun doing it. <laughs> I knew it was just um, momentary frustration. Because I, 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 this has happened to me on several games where I just get frustrated because I'm getting my ass kicked or something. But I know I just have to keep kind of going at it and figuring out new ways to play it and whatnot. So I'm continuing that. Uh, I don't have much time in it, though, but um, I want to put more time into it. Um, you got Starfield on the go or like on the, the preload, Ryan. Like, what, what are you doing? That will take priority over Baldur's Gate, though, for me. Um, so that will be disappointing. <laughs> but anyway, that's it. That's all I've been playing. Overwatch, Fortnite, the usuals. And uh, Tim, where can they watch you playing Baldur's Gate? Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate, and more Baldur's Gate. All day long, all the time. That's a lie, but it's uh, (laughs) Mondays to Fridays. From the morning EST till the afternoon EST, twitch.tv slash the sidetrack. If you're interested at all in D&D chatter, and Baldur's Gate for probably a while. That's what I'm doing there. Characters. Yep. Even if you just want to kind of see like the narrative, like it's a really well written game. The characters are very interesting. Um, and I'm finally into like actual content now that uh, I'm unfamiliar with. Like we're out of the mm-hmm. early access area now. Um, so we're getting to see like returning like characters coming back, seeing like characters that I kind of thought would have just been NPCs, but they're turning out to be kind of bigger bigger players across multiple acts and stuff like that that's cool uh it did a fight today that went really badly and then some like 
something happened to one character and then that led to a chain reaction that caused something else to happen in that area and then there was another huge fight and then we basically had to like wipe out the entire area and i was like so this place is just basically it's like desolate now and it was uh, annoying because like when i first went there i was like i knew there was a character at that place that sold something that was going to be really useful for one of my characters and i couldn't find them and so i just sort of like kept going around talking to people pushing the main objective in this place and then this whole big series of events happened and then during that like big fight afterwards i like they were dead and i was like well shit like now i can't buy the thing from them so i kept saying like i'm not going to save scum not going to go back i'm going to like stick with the consequences of what has happened in the playthrough and make it feel organic and stuff and everybody kept saying like nah like just do it just do it just reload just try again just do the thing you want to do and so I was like, okay, fuck it. So I went back and I did it again and um, uh, did the encounter over again. And then a completely different chain of events happened. And, you know, now it's now that there's a different kind of main ish storyline to like go after. And uh, that's just another example of like how seemingly one thing can kind of snowball into this other bigger thing and then it completely changes the trajectory of of where you're going and what you're trying to do so yeah that's uh kind of what i'm doing now hell yeah and uh well i guess we'll, we'll be doing our own Baldur's gate right our very own gate Baldur yeah. matt's gate is this don't... a new like conspiracy Baldur gate yeah. Yes, I don't want to be associated with this. <laughs> um, but yeah, twitch.tv slash Damon Media, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern. See ya. Goodbye. Peace.